Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With Earn In, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the Earn In app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with Earn In, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 36. Today's episode will be part of a series that looks at taming your paper clutter. We're starting with an emergency binder. And if you're not exactly sure what that is, don't worry. By the end of this show, I will walk you through what it is, why you need one, and give you a free checklist for setting one up so you can finally start to get the paper in your home under control. Hey there, wannabe minimalist friends. Welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Deanna Yates, creator of littlegreenbow.com and the Wannabe Minimalist Podcast. In today's episode, we are helping you conquer one of the most common types of clutter, paper clutter. In fact, this and toys are the two areas you all ask me about all the time, and I feel I've conquered toys a bit more recently, so it was time to give our piles of paper some love. Now, this is a big topic, and I don't think I can do it or you service by trying to cram it all into one episode, so I'll be doing a series about paper clutter over the next few weeks. This week, we are focusing on adulting, and we'll start with an emergency binder. But before we dive in and chat about getting all of your papers in order, I want to let you know that you can grab the show notes for today's episode and a free checklist for creating your own emergency binder at littlegreenbow.com 36. Once again, that's littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 36. Okay, let's get into it. You guys, I cannot tell you how many of you tell me about your paper clutter and ask for help getting it under control. And I want to remind you that this is a no judgment zone and I totally get it. In fact, can I let you in on a little secret? I'm a bit of a procrastinator and will put things off to the last minute myself if I am able to. I don't recommend this, of course, but it is one of my quirks, so I just want to remind you that I am far from perfect. 
For example, this year, I filed our taxes on the very last day. Yep, July 15th. Yikes. And while I was at it, I realized that it had been a few years since I'd gone through our paper files. I cleaned them out, and boy, oh boy, did it feel amazing to shred and toss all those papers that we no longer needed. But there was still a nagging feeling that just because I knew where our papers were and I had our banking and financial information in my head, I wondered if anyone else could figure out figure it out if they needed to. So that leads me into the question of why do we need an emergency binder? I mean, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, so I think it's perfectly reasonable to have these what-if ideas right now. And even if it seems morbid, you know, or to doomsday for you, the fact that once you become someone's spouse, partner, or husband, you have someone else to think about and plan for. You add kids to the mix, and it's nine million times more important. Now, I've been hearing about these stories of kids who have lost both parents to COVID, and it just breaks my heart. So, however, even without the coronavirus, we really should have our affairs in order, so they say. But a rising death toll reported on the news every night really seems to be driving this matter home. Well, at least it does for me. Now, this may make you feel a bit uneasy at the beginning, but I promise that once you have your emergency binder put together, you will feel so much more peaceful and, dare I say, confident. It's comforting to know that your spouse, a family member, or a close friend could step in to help with your home, children, and money issues if you were incapacitated for any length of time. Now, I know we don't like to think about this, but what would your family do right now if you were in the hospital for a week or two? or a month? Would anyone else know what bills you have to pay and how to pay them? How about your insurance information? When you stop to think about it, these are there are probably tons of things that you take care of and that you just take for granted. You know, or maybe the same thing happens with your partner. There's probably a bunch of stuff they do that you wouldn't know how to figure out right away either. And so are you starting to see why this is so important? Before I created an emergency binder, it would have been really tough for my family if I was out of commission for a period of time. But now I like to think that things would be a little bit easier if it ever came to that. And that leads me into question number two. Exactly what is an emergency binder? The answer is pretty simple, and there's no need to overcomplicate it. An emergency binder is simply a book that contains your important documents and information. You organize these in one book so that in case of emergency, another adult could step in and help out your family. Okay, before we get too far into this, I hear some of you saying, isn't that unsafe and risky to keep all of your important documentation together? Couldn't someone steal it? Well, we'll get to the idea of keeping it in a safe place a bit later, but just know that only a few select people should be told about your emergency binder. I think it's kind of funny that I'm telling you all about this on a podcast, but I'm not going to tell you where it is, what it is, and I'm not going to show you what it looks like. So don't worry about that. Now, these are the people that you would feel comfortable taking care of your kids in an emergency. Okay? All right. Now that you understand what an emergency binder is and why it's so important, let's look at how you can set one up for yourself. Don't forget, I have created a free checklist for you, and you can download it by going to littlegreenbow.com slash 36. That will cover the next eight sections that I'm going to walk you through. 
All right, so section one is the quick reference. This is where you will put all necessary contact information for the important people to reach. Now, I understand not all of you will have attorneys, accountants, and personal bankers. Don't worry, I don't either. But if you do have those people in your life, you'll put them here. For the rest of us, this is where you'll put the contact information for your family doctor and dentist information, school contact information, insurance information, and you want to put your health, life, home, and auto here, your bank, employer information, babysitters or trusted contact information, family allergy information, and then contact information if you have an executor of your will. Now, the idea behind the quick reference is to make it super simple for someone in a very stressful situation to get the information that they need as quickly as possible. Now, if you have a fireproof safe or a safety deposit box, this information can go in there too. Um, you know, the information for how to access your safety deposit box or your fireproof safe. So you'll want to put that on your quick reference. I hope that made sense. All right, that's section number one, your quick reference. Section number two is your personal information. Now, this is where you will put your family's personal documents. Some people will suggest putting in photocopies of the documents and then putting the originals in a fireproof safe or that safety deposit box, but I will leave it up to you to decide. At this time, we have our documents in the binder, but I might be looking into getting a small fireproof safe. I found that you can get those copies of things you need, like your marriage certificate and your birth certificates. I mean, if you lose those things, your passport, driver's license, you can get them all back again. Um, there's just quite a few hoops that you need to jump through. So you'll have to weigh the risks and decide what works best for you. But either way, originals or photocopies, you know, you'll want to keep the documents here. And the ones you'll want to put there are birth certificates for everyone in your family, social security cards, copies of driver's licenses, passports, Oh, I said copies of driver's licenses because you have to keep those on you every day. Passports, immunization records, school records, and then any professional certificates. So if you're a teacher, doctor, um, physical therapist, you know, nurse, personal trainer, anything like that, any personal certificates um, to conduct your business, you'll want to put them there. So that's section number two. That's your personal information. And that one really shouldn't be that hard to put together. You just have to go around your house and find all the important documents, make copies, and put them in there. Section number three. Now this is where it starts to get fun. This is your financial information. So we're going to move on to our finances. And, you know, you're going to put in any information about bank accounts or financial records. Those will go in here. You'll also want to include instructions for how to access all of your accounts. Now, People start to get nervous here, and I promised that I will address the safeguarding of your binder later. One thing we do, though, for passwords is that we use a program called 1Password. It allows us to create crazy strong passwords. I mean, think like 14 random characters and symbols and, I mean, just kind of a whole mix. It doesn't make any sense, and really any human brain would have a hard time remembering these passwords. So instead, we have one very long phrase password that we use for the program, and then it unlocks it and it saves all these crazy passwords for anything we need to get into. Now, in our binder, I have this one password written down for each of our accounts, but the person accessing our stuff would still need our computers or our phones or our tablet in order to get the information. It's not going to be very useful for them to know our password without one of these um, devices that has the 1Password app on it. 
So that's one way that we keep our information safe um, and a bit more secure uh, with this financial stuff. But okay, I digress. So in this section, let's go back to what you want to keep in your financial information section. You're going to want to keep the account numbers for your bank accounts, any credit card information that you have. So uh, what credit cards you have, their account numbers, information on your investment accounts, any savings bonds that you have, any loan information for any loans you have outstanding. You're going to have statements showing any loans that you've paid in full. So think school loans, car loans, your mortgage, if you're so lucky. Um, contact information for your financial advisor if you have one. And then information about disability or social security payments if you collect those. And then I also like to include here any bills that you pay on a regular basis. You know, these are going to be things like your mortgage or your rent payment, your car payment, insurance payments, credit card bills, phone bills, utilities. I like to keep a list here so that things don't fall through the cracks. You know, again, you want to remember what this is for. This is for somebody that's coming in and taking over your life for a minute. And you would hate for something to not get paid, a service to get turned off, um, you know, something to get repossessed just because somebody didn't even know it needed to get paid and taken care of. Okay. So that's what goes in your financial section. It wasn't so bad, was it? I know a lot of people get hung up on section three, but you are going to do it and you're going to be just fine. Just stick to the list, go through, check it off. And at the end, it won't be so bad and you'll be done and you'll feel so good about it. So section four is health and life insurance information. And this is another biggie that people are not really fond of putting together, but it's not too hard. You just want to think about the information that someone would need if you were in the hospital. Now, this includes any and all insurance information that you have. So you're going to look at medical insurance. You want to make sure that you list any HSA bank accounts here too. Now, even if you're doubling that up from your financial section, if somebody goes to your health insurance stuff, you want them to have everything they need at their fingertips. So dental insurance is going to go here, life insurance. Now, if you have life insurance, you can put that annual report that you receive. You put that in here, and then you can toss the year before. And then any booklets that you receive about these insurances. So if your binder has kind of an accordion folder in the back, you can put them in there. Otherwise, you can keep them with your long-term paper storage, or you can make a copy of them, whatever works best for you. And that's what goes in section number four, your health and life insurance information. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the Active Skin Repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. 
Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Do you wish you could find an educational podcast that your kids actually want to listen to and you enjoy too? Well, you're in luck. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math, is a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. We listened to a few episodes, and not only did our daughter want to listen to more next time we're in the car, I found myself chuckling too. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. You're transported to moments in ancient history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. Plus, they do a great job of teaching math theory without it being boring, complicated, or overly childish. And that can't be easy, but it's not really a surprise considering Mysteries About True Histories is from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted, Brain Games on Nat Geo and Disney+, and Brainchild on Netflix. Episodes drop every Thursday, and since they are about 15 minutes, they are the perfect length for kids ages 6 and up. Turn your next car ride, break time, or bedtime into math time with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Section 5, we're going to move on to your home and auto information. We're getting closer to the home stretch. See what I did there? But honestly, we are done with the two sections that cause the most stress. So give yourself a pat on the back. You're almost there. This section will be for any and all information regarding where you live and the vehicles you drive. Now you may end up listing some information twice, again, like your mortgage or your rent information, but those things are super important. So I'd rather we double it up instead of miss it. Now your home and auto information that you should include here are things like the information for your landlord if you rent your place, now, this is where to send the rent, how much the rent is, and the, the contact information for the landlord. Your mortgage information and how you make your payments. Your utility information. You want to include your home purchase agreement, home title, certificate of the survey of your property, anything else that you had um, that shows that you are the homeowner. Now, if you've paid off your home, you want to put the loan payoff in there. Um, and any property assessment or taxable valuation reports, they should go in here too. And then you also want to include, now we're getting into the insurances, your home insurance, um, and then your insurance agent's information. And then you also want to include your um, auto information. Now this could be your certificate of title, vehicle registration, license plate renewal information, anything that goes along with owning your vehicle and then your auto insurance information, including again, the contact information for your agent and how you make those payments. All right, that's section number five, your home and auto. Section number six is your retirement information. Now, this could also be included in the financial information section, but I like to keep it separate because money going out is already stressful enough, and so this way we're trying to keep it as simple as possible. So this section will include any retirement savings, pensions, 401ks, social security information, trusts, and then I also like to include any information about wills because that one can get kind of lost in the mix and I want to make sure it has a home. So I like to put it here um, because to me the retirement information is also the money that would be going to your children. So a will to me is kind of like that. 
So that's section number six. Section number seven will not apply to everyone. And that is business information. If you are a business owner, this is the section where you will address your business information, partner information, and IRS info. So the business information section should include the most recent business filing, the most recent signed W-9 form, a copy of the business filing through your state, your EIN paperwork from the IRS, the contact information for any business partners or investors that you have, business bank account information, and then your business accountant and attorney contact information. Now, I want to remind everyone I have that free checklist. So I know I am spewing a lot of things at you and I'm just giving you a ton of information and things to include, but I do have that free checklist. So just go to littlegreenbow.com 36 and you can download a copy so you don't have to worry about jotting all this down right now. And the last section that I have in our emergency binder, this one, um, I highly recommend it, but it's not required. But this one is where I have my family routine and our family preferences. Now, my family runs pretty well, and I know that it would be a huge comfort to my daughter if some of our routines and traditions continued. Because you have to remember, the whole point of this book is that there was an emergency and somebody else is having to take over for you. So if that's happening, your child's world is turning upside down and they are already going to be under a lot of stress and so are the people that are coming in to take care of them. And so that's why I feel like this section is really important and gets overlooked a lot. Um, So in this section, I include our general routine and that changes uh, when we're in summertime and when we're in school and things like that. But generally, like what time you know, does our daughter get up? What time does she go to bed? Um, you know, we have favorite weekly traditions that I also include in here. And that's things like our pizza and movie nights on Fridays um, and things we do on the weekends. So those kinds of things I want to list out here. So again, that's our general routine and then our favorite weekly traditions. I also like to list favorite meals and favorite foods here. Um, as well as our simple recipes that we make within our family. Because if you think about it, there are probably lots of things that you guys make in your home that it's just second nature to you and you don't even have to think about it. You don't have a recipe for it and it just gets made quickly and easily and that's that comfort food. Those are the kinds of things you want to make sure that you're documenting. And then I also include two weekly meal plans. Now, these things might seem strange, but I'm the one that does the grocery shopping and the cooking in our home. And so if my husband had to take over, this would just be a really good place for him to start. So maybe, you know, if my mom was having to take over or something happened to both my husband and I and my mom was taking over or his mom was taking over, they wouldn't need the simple meal plans. But for someone, if my husband were taking over and he doesn't cook on a regular basis, that would be really good for him. So again, the emergency binder is just helping think through those really stressful situations when someone's coming in and taking over and just laying it all out for them to make it simple and an easy transition for everybody. And the hope is that you will never have to use this binder, but if you do, it would be a lifesaver. And that wraps up really what I think should be included in your emergency binder. The really cool part is that by getting all of this together, it helps us you know, establish an organization system for your paper files at the same time. Now, the things you include in your emergency binder 
are the most important papers that you need. And really anything else you keep is kind of secondary. So you could probably get rid of a lot of the stuff that you're keeping that's not in these binders. So just think about that. And then I did promise that I would get back to security and keeping this information safe. Now, without going off onto a tangent about how, in general, the world is really not as scary as we're told, you know, we need to think about why we're keeping our binder safe and what we're keeping it safe from. Now, the two big things that come to mind for me are a fire and a burglary. Now, the first, the fire, is not going to steal your identity, but it will make it incredibly difficult to replace the information in that binder. So my suggestion to minimize this risk is to keep an electronic version in your fireproof safe if you have one, or on a portable drive that you are likely to have with you. Now, you can get thumbnail drives so tiny these days, and I'll make sure I link to my favorite one in the show notes because I have one that's constantly plugged into my computer and I absolutely love it. But you want to go ahead and just password protect that and then keep it with you if you're worried about a fire because you also don't want to risk that that thumb drive would get swiped if your purse got stolen or something like that. That's probably a greater risk. So make sure you do password protect that if you're keeping it with you. The second threat that you're probably worried about is a burglary. Now, the good news is that this risk can be minimized by disguising your emergency binder as something really ordinary. For instance, consider keeping it with your cookbooks or just in the kitchen if you've decluttered all your cookbooks like me. You know, label it something like favorite family recipes. Or if that's not your jam, you could stash it with your craft supplies and label it as my favorite craft projects. I mean, think about it. What kind of burglar would be interested in family recipes or craft projects? The idea here is to keep your binder stored with items that burglars are not interested in anyway. Now, that's why I don't recommend storing it in the living room or by the TV um, or in your office near your computer or fireproof safe or near your jewelry. Like those are the common things to be stolen. So if you limit your exposure to your financial and personal information by keeping your binder elsewhere in your home, it's minimizing that risk of having it in one place. Make sense? Because again, if somebody's looking for your identity, they're going to go to your paper files. They're going to go to the places where those things are common. They'll check your mail. They'll check that kind of stuff. But favorite family recipes or your favorite craft projects? Probably not. So the last thing to do is is to decide then who to tell about your binder. Now, You want to consider not only who will take over your responsibilities for you, but somebody that also lives close by and can get to your kids quickly. So obviously, if you're married um, or you have a partner, that person will take over for you. But if both of you are in the emergency, who's going to take over for both of you? And Now, that might mean that not only do you tell your parents or a sibling, but you also need to tell a close friend because if you don't have family that lives nearby, it may take them a day or two to get to your children. And so you want to make sure that, you know, any information you have um, can be given to a close friend if necessary. All right. Whew. Now, that was a lot of information. And I know that I just gave you a really long list of stuff. It's not a project that you're going to finish in an hour. That is unless, of course, you're already really organized. But for most of you listening to this, 
that's not you. It's okay. It wasn't me either. But I am 100% confident that this emergency binder will bring you and your family some peace of mind, not only now when so many things are uncertain, but for the long term too. So now I want to ask you, what are your thoughts about the emergency binder? Do you have one? Are you going to create one? I would love to hear all about it. Hop on over to my free wannabe minimalist group on Facebook and share with me. Introduce yourself and tell us what you think about emergency binders or any other paper clutter questions that you have. The group is completely free. We're super nice. (laughs) And you can find us by searching on Facebook for wannabe minimalist or by clicking on the link in the show notes. Okay, so don't forget if you would like to get all of those show notes for today's episode, along with that emergency binder checklist, you can find it all at littlegreenbow.com slash 36. Once again, get all the show notes and the links for everything we talked about today on my website at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 36. And before we go, as always, I absolutely love hearing from you. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics you would like to see addressed on the show, please reach out either via email at hello at littlegreenbow.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash littlegreenbow. You can also join our free wannabe minimalist group there and we deep dive into way more topics that can help you on your journey to minimalism, no matter what that looks like for you and your family. That just about wraps it up for this episode of the Wannabe Minimalist Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, it would make my day if you would leave a review on iTunes. And while you're there, take a second to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. Those comments, really, I read all of them. They're super great. They do make my day so much better. And it helps others find the show too. Okay, last thing for today, I promise, be sure to join me next week for another guest episode. This time, I will be talking to Jenny Brereton about simplifying your beauty routine with eco-friendly products. She is a stylist who switched her beauty routine around years ago, and she has some wonderful tips and strategies to make it super easy for the rest of us. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you next week. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.